on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Dominic Catronio. I think I speak for a lot of people when you say that losing stinks. Losing at home stinks. Losing in extra innings stinks. But losing at home in extra innings to the Cubs, now that sucks. That just was not a fun, slow-moving fall apart there for the Brewers. They lose 4-3 to three in 10 innings tonight. They built you up. They tore you down. Heartbreak city here in Milwaukee. And the biggest thing about this loss, yes, another defeat here in the second half. Yes, Freddie Peralta had six no-hit innings but you just lost the season series now. It's the 10th win for the Cubs head-to-head over the Brewers. They have clinched the season series over Milwaukee. So even if the Brewers come back and win the next two games of this series, they will still have just a 9-10 and record head-to-head against Chicago this year. Just a year ago, they were 15-4 and against the Cubs and virtually the same team. Virtually the same team. That's not sitting well, obviously, with everybody in the clubhouse tonight. I want to hear from you. My name is Dominic Catronio. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. You can text it. You can call it. We'll get you in line. A lot to talk about. We'll hear from Craig Council in just a little bit. We'll hear about his decision to pull Freddie Peralta from this game. With six no-hit innings, and the Brewers only up one to nothing. We'll talk about the decision to have Victor Caratini bunt in this game with runners on first and second and nobody out in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but first and second and nobody out was the magical uh, kryptonite, if you will, for the Brewers that they couldn't get the run in. In regulation innings from one through nine, yet again, we've talked about this on Brewers Weekly. We've talked about this multiple times on the show The Brewers were 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. They were 0 for 8, three innings into the game. You cannot expect to win games and put all of the pressure on your pitcher, who, oh, by the way, is throwing six no-hit innings, to say, hey, you got us tonight. You know, you can keep this this up, right? You are seeing the cracks in the armor appearing in the pitching staff because – To the naked eye, you're going to see, oh, wow, the Brewers' bullpen faltered late again. Wow, this is crazy. No, they're being continued to ask over and over and over again to protect a 1-0 lead or protect a 0-0, a 2-2 game. All of these tight games are catching up to the Brewers, and that's what you're seeing right now for the Brew crew. 4-3 loss, Devin Williams and Matt Bush allow the home runs to Ian Happ. Uh, What a night for Ian Happ. He has the only two hits of the night for the Cubs. They are both home runs. Think about the odds of that. Think about, has that ever happened? And before you ask, yes, that has happened uh, in the past where a player has the only two hits of the game and both hits are home runs. The last time that happened was actually uh, the Toronto Blue Jays on May 31st, 2007. uh, Or I should say going back here. You know what? That's the wrong note. Let me double check on that. Get back to you here. Found a typo. Wow. That's what happens on live radio. But we're going to get back to you on that. Ian Happ, man, this dude was supposed to be traded, right? They had all the hugs. They had all the ceremonies. Wilson Contreras as well. They had all this stuff about, oh, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras, they're on their way out. 
And here he is, still impacting games. He's a really good player. He's a very, very good player. And he made the Brewers play, pay tonight. He has been a completely different hitter since last August when he found a tweak and got things going for himself. We're going to be with you until midnight. So we got plenty of time to get to your calls, to get to your texts, to get to what's going on. And one, uh, one texter already agrees with me, saying, what really sucks about the loss is Brewers pitcher only throws... Brewing's pitching only throws a two-hitter and loses 4-3 to three with tons of scoring opportunities. I agree 100%. A few other stuff going on on the text line right now. You can't expect to win when you leave so many on base. You keep the other team in the game and two hitting coaches. This is a big problem from the Brewers. That comes from Lori in Franklin. Thank you for chiming in there, Lori. Yeah, it's, it's crazy at this point that they are who they are. They went 2-for-15 with runners in scoring position. Those only two hits came with the placed runner in the 10th inning. The bloop single that got Yelich to third, and then the RBI single by Renfro were the only hits by the Brewers with runners in scoring position tonight. 2-for-15. They left 10 runners on base, and then the heartbreaking 4-3 grounded into double play off the bat of Jace Peterson in his first plate appearance since coming off the injured list. He was the defensive replacement. There's a lot to get to. There's a lot of layers to this game. Tyrone Taylor hit a home run, but that still kind of puts a mask on the performance of the bottom third of the order again tonight. The bottom third of the order combined to go one for nine. They did draw a couple of walks in this game, two of them by Urias, with the one hit being the home run. The bottom of the order has continued to struggle, and one for ten if you include Colton Wong being a pinch hitter against the lefty. The bottom of the order has been a black hole as of late for the Brewers. In fact, if you want to go back for the month of August coming into this game tonight, the Brewers' seven, eight, nine hitters combined have the worst batting average in the National League in the month of August. 174 as a team for seven, eight, nine in the month of August. If your guys in the middle of the order continue to provide and continue to do what you hope they're doing with Rowdy and Renfro and McCutcheon getting on base and Colton Wong getting on base, those are the guys that, not every time, but the seven, eight, nine guys are going to be looked to, hey, can he keep a rally going? Can he just get a knock and try to turn things over to the top of the order? It just has not been happening. And yes, Tyrone hit a home run tonight, but he's been scuffling too. The averages continue to fall for the Brewers. They're hitting 233 as a team that's actually seven points worse than the Cubs right now. And the Cubs only had two hits in this game. And they were both homers by Ian Happ. What a night. What a crazy night. The Brewers are now 7-7 seven and seven in extras. And for the first time in the second half, they are under 500 for their second half record. They are now 15-16 and 16 since the All-Star break. Tip your cap to Justin Steele. He pitched very well. Yes, he had four walks. But he pitched very well. He exited in the middle of the sixth inning. And then once again, we've seen it a couple of times. Aside from the home run by Rowdy Telez, the Cubs bullpen shut down the Brewers again. We're going to hear from Craig Council. We're going to hear some highlights. we got a lot to get to on this show. One more time, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. You can call us. We'll get you on the show. You can text us. I'll read your text. Tell us where you're from and your name, and uh, we'll give you a shout-out here on the show. Oh, and you can tweet me as well at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. All right, we got news coming up here at the top of the hour. We'll be right back on the other side of that here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ.
This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Swinging, drive to left, deep, warning track, get up, get out of here and gone for Tyrone Taylor. And the Brewers have the lead on base hit number four, given up by Justin Steele. Bob Euchre on the call. Brewers, though, ultimately fall tonight in 10 innings by a final of 4-3. to three. I'm Dominic Catronio. If you want to participate in Brewers Extra Innings, you got the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. You can text us. You can call us. Get in line. Get here your thoughts as well. You can tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. A few of you have already done so. We'll get to you guys in just a second. Right now, we're going to welcome in post-game analyst on Valley Sports Wisconsin, former Brewer himself, Vinny Rotino, joining the show. And, well, you just finished talking about an excruciating loss on one network. Now you come over to our <laughs> network talk about another excruciating loss. And, and 10 innings, 4-3. to three. For me, the story is runners in scoring position. They continue to falter with runners in scoring position. That's the biggest issue from this game. It's not pulling Freddie after six no-hit innings. It's not Bush and Williams giving up homers. It's going two for 15 with runners in scoring position. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, they they had seven walks. They drew seven walks, and they had seven hits on the day. So, I mean, they had plenty of base runners. They just couldn't get that next hit that Craig Council talks about all the time. Um, you know, I don't know. They it, <laughs> This one felt like they're snake betting a little bit at this point, right? I mean, Rowdy Telez, I'm sorry, Jace Peterson hits that ball 96 miles an hour in the 10th inning. And it's right to uh, Madrigal, tags Rowdy Telez and throws him out at first. I mean, I don't know. It just felt like that. If that ball finds a hole, they win. Goes right to him. Game over. So it, it, it was a weird one, Dom. I've never seen a game where the same guy gets the only two hits of the game for the Cubs and his four RBIs, <laughs> two two run homers, and no one else gets a hit. Everyone else is 0 for, and and then they win. So it was a really weird game. Um, feels like the Brewers are snake bitten a little bit. Somehow, some way, they got to pull themselves out of this. But when has it become not snake bitten and who they are? I mean, it, yeah. how many times yeah. have we said this after a loss this season? Yeah. No, I <laughs> look, it, it is hard to watch this one. I got to be honest. So, yes, I'm with you. I'm in that camp. I'm the ultimate optimist. I'm hoping that this is not who they are just because, look, we saw this team, a very similar roster. For through the first fifty games of the season, start off with a franchise record in re- in record, right? So, um, and then since then, they are thirty three and forty one, believe it or not, and they are negative with the run differential. So it's um, they're not playing well ever since those first fifty games. And you're right, maybe this is who they are right now. And for the Brewers, let's talk about Freddie Peralta and their pitching staff continue to be asked over and over and over again to keep things close, to keep things in a one-run lead, to keep things in a in a tie game, whatever it may be. But Freddie Peralta getting pulled after six innings. We're going to play Craig Council here in just a little bit, but I know you heard him live uh, on the air. What did he have to say? What did you hear? And what did you make of his explanation for pulling Freddie Peralta? Yeah, it was concerning at first. When you hear Craig Council talk about it, he said that according to his body language, according to you know what he was saying when they were talking to him after the sixth inning there, 
um, that that's when they decided that he was ready to come out of the game, plus third time through the order. Then you hear Freddie Peralta actually in the clubhouse give a soundbite about how he was feeling, and it looked like he was feeling fine, but he just very candidly, very off the cuff said, hey, look, I, I just I just felt like I, I didn't have much anymore with, with kind of a smile, not a smile on his face because they lost, but there was no concern whatsoever on my end that he was hurt um, or, you know, that there was some lingering issue because of the shoulder uh, issue that he had earlier on in the season, which is a good thing. And Fred and Craig Council also said how important it is to get eight more really quality starts out of Freddie Peralta, which I totally agree with that. If they are going to win, if they are going to sneak into the playoffs, again, big if at this point, it will be through, partly through Freddie, Freddie Peralta's healthy right shoulder. It is going to matter of his health. It is going to matter, like you said, you need eight more starts out of him, and you got no starts if he gets pulled in the middle of a seventh inning trying to go for a no-hitter in a one nothing game. Uh, we do have some folks on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. I want to get to Calvin in, Janes, uh, in Janesville. wants to talk about uh, what we got going on with Freddie Peralta. Calvin, you are on Brewers Extra Innings. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. It, it's funny. I mean, you, uh, right, right before you, you took me on, you kind of answered my question that I had about, you know, why? How, how do you excuse that call from Craig Council to, you know, to pull Freddie in the position that he was in with the pitch count where he was through the rota- uh, through the, you know, Cubs lineup? I mean, he was wheeling and dealing. So, you know, I wondered from your guys' perspective, you know, maybe is Council seeing something on the mound from Freddie that indicates, you know, yeah, is he, you know, going through an injury or, um, you know, obviously those guys are trained in the dugout to to really keep a close eye on things out on the mound that. Um, might stand out as far as an injury goes or things like that. And when you got have a guy like Freddie who's been as good as he has this year after coming back from his injury, I mean, uh, especially when you're fighting to try and keep your playoff hopes alive, I mean, it's important to ensure that everybody in that rotation is healthy. So um, I, I guess maybe to go off that question then, since you guys kind of answered, I mean, at what point does Council and the rest of the team start throwing some darts at the board as far as, you know, I don't know if it's late in the season, too late in the season to call some guys up. You know, I'm sure that's been talked about as far as prospects go. But, you know, I it's <laughs> uh, I think the optimism is, is slowly fading here. And after a game like this, you guys mentioned, it was hard to watch this one. And I think that the uh, the neighbors in my apartment are probably scared about what's going on in my place because I was uh, very vocal with that loss tonight. So um, just uh, interested to hear you guys' thoughts about, you know, what are the next steps here as far as, trying to find a way to, to win some baseball games. Awesome. Well, thanks for the thoughts there, Calvin. Uh, talking about Freddie Peralta, the first part, yes, we did just talk about Freddie, but something that jumped out to me and why maybe Craig Council was feeling the way that he felt and that, eh, watching his body language, I looked at his velo numbers. I mean, his velo was absolutely down today. Uh, he was 89-90 at times with the fastball. He would ramp up a few 95s. He would, and that was early in the game. But late in the game, he didn't get past 93 and that's normally his cruising speed, and then can touch those 96s and 97s. He was sitting at 90-91, and for me, I'd noticed that in the second inning, and I immediately flagged down the rest of our booth saying, like, hey, wait a minute, this this is not right. And the fact that the curveball was huge tonight was, was big for Freddie, but for me, I thought the velocity was very, very concerning, and I personally understood in the moment why he pulled Freddie Peralta. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually have an 88 according to, um, you know, StatCast here as well. So, yeah, we don't see Freddie Peralta dip down into those velocity numbers. I'm sure that had something to do with Craig Council's decision to bring him out. Um, Again, he's got to stay healthy if the Brewers are going to make this uh, run into, you know, the playoffs. And I think it's going to have to go through the wild card to do so. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about it is he – you know, he continues to compete with whatever stuff he's got that day. So, I mean, he competes with the 88 to 92 that he was mostly pitching at with the four-seamer, and then then he all of a sudden invented a curveball tonight. I mean, he really went to good. it. Yeah, a really good curveball, really good pitch ability, really good ability to compete this guy. I mean, it's so impressive to watch. But, yes, um, I think it was actually a good move by Counts um, to take him out. And, and, and look – I think we all think it was a good move to take him out because he had a no-hitter going, and we're not really even talking about it. We just want Freddie Peralta to stay healthy. We didn't want him to get pushed um, too far into the game and, and jeopardize another um, you know, stint on the I.L. Quick question to follow up on that before we get to the minor league prospects that Calvin had asked about. Then we'll get to more texts and calls here in just a little bit on Brewers' extra innings. Uh, if this game is, say, the Brewers are cashing in in those runners and scoring position opportunities, in those first three innings, they had plenty of prime opportunities. If the Brewers are up 3 nothing, 4 nothing, do you think the leash is a little longer and Craig Council gives Freddie one more inning there in the seventh? It's a good question. It, it, it's a hypothetical. It, it, it really doesn't yes. matter, but it's just something that I think about. No, I mean, and I think your question points to the fact that Freddie Peralta has high stress pitches in a one nothing ball game, right? And I, I totally, uh, I do agree with that. And so, yeah, I think I think there's a little bit, you know, more looseness out there. There's a little bit more relaxed feel from Freddie Peralta out there on the mound. Doesn't have to work so hard to get every single strike, every single out. So that's a really good point, Tom. So yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah. Vinny Rettino is going to join us for a little while longer. We're going to get to some more texts that are waiting here patiently. We are with you until midnight. Here on Brewers Extra Innings, get some more texts in, get some more calls in as well. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Been that way since the seventh. Swing the drive in the right. Bob Uecker calling game-tying homers in the ninth inning never gets old. It would be a whole lot better if they had won that game in the ninth inning because they had another opportunity after that home run from Rowdy Telez in the ninth. That's the name of the game tonight here on Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers fall 4-3 to three in 10, going 2-15 for 15 with runners in scoring position. I'm Dominic Catronio. Vinny Rettino is on with us for another segment here. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Let's do... Let's talk about something positive, though, with Rowdy Telez. He hits the clutch home run. He also drew a walk in this game. Drew two walks, actually, in this game. Uh, But for Rowdy, it's the second time we've seen him this month hit a game-tying homer off of a lefty. No moments too big for him. And I was personally shocked they pitched to him in the 10th inning. He ultimately walked, which is what I thought they were going to do anyway. But when Rowdy comes up, it doesn't matter now if it's righty or lefty. Ignore the batting average because that's not the type of player. Rowdy's not going to be a guy that's going to be hitting 275. He's going to be a guy that's going to hit close to 30 home runs every year, close to 30 doubles every year, give you a great at-bat. He doesn't strike out a million times compared to most slugging lefties. Rowdy Telez, I mean, 
he continues to show up, kind of like how Willie Adamas showed up last season. Rowdy's been that guy for me this year. What what do you think about what Rowdy's done, uh, specifically in this game, and trying to keep the Brewers afloat this month? Yeah, so, I mean, he's he. it's him, it's Willie Adamas, it's Hunter Renfro. When those guys, well, those three guys produce, the Brewers tend to win. Obviously, it didn't work out tonight. You know, but the Rowdy Telez's game-tying homer, I mean, four sliders in a row from Brandon Hughes. He got the first three below the zone and got the count to 1-2, and then he hung the fourth one. Such a great react. Go, go back and mm-hmm. look at that video again and just watch Brandon Hughes' reaction after he lets go of the pitch. He knows it's a home run as soon as he releases it practically, and Rowdy, Rowdy's just a clutch Hitter. I mean, and again, I say the word hitter, and I emphasize the word hitter because that's what he is. He stays inside the baseball. He's short. He's quick. He's handsy. He's kind of an old-school throwback. But he's just strong enough to overpower the baseball and slug as well. I mean, he, he just does a tremendous job of, of hitting big home runs, and um, that none, none bigger than that one tonight. Um, again, and then that at-bat, you talk about being clutch – that at-bat in the 10th was huge because it was a 3-1 count. I'm sorry. It was a yep, – It got to 3-1. It got to 3-1. He swung at a pitch to get it to 3-2. And then for him to take that 3-2 pitch down in the zone for a walk, that is a very weird feeling as a hitter because you know that first base is open. You know that they're probably going to be pitching around you. But there's just a chance – rookie pitcher on the mound that he might leave something out of the plate. So you can't just take it and take strike three. It was a tremendous at-bat. His ability to stay in the moment and not have the moment be too big is absolutely tremendous. I want to go back to the ninth inning and a few texts we're going to get to here in this segment as well as we chat with Vinny Rettino here on Brewers Extra Innings. I want to go back to the ninth inning. Uh, First and second, nobody out after the rowdy home run and Victor Caratini coming to the plate. Were you surprised? That he was trying to drop down a bunt? No, I wasn't. I mean, I'm surprised from the fact that no one bunts anymore. That's the only surprising thing that they did actually ask him to do so. But, you know, he should have been able to get that bunt down. You could tell he was very uncomfortable doing it. The fact that they don't actually do it in games, that's – it's like – I don't know. You almost need to have like a guy go down to a ball every month or so and just drop down a couple of bunts. Like it's that important. I mean, that cost him the game. It really did because Colton Wong's going to take a, a different approach at the plate than he did. And understanding all he got to do is get a ball to the outfield. Is they probably win the game. I'm not blaming the game on Victor Caratini, but you know. The lack of skill for bunting these days is just, it's lost. It's gone. It's absolutely gone in the game, and especially in the Brewers organization. But the reason I ask is because, yes, 2020 hindsight, and I don't want this show to devolve into me just criticizing every single Craig Council move or every single strategy move because it doesn't work like that. I don't want that. This game's hard, and it's even harder to manage. But my thought was this. They had a left-hander warming in the bullpen, ready to go. The Brewers already had Colton Wong on deck to hit for Tyrone Taylor. So you knew they were going to bring in that lefty to face the back-to-back lefties of Wong and Yelich. Victor Caratini might have been your last chance to have the advantage in the platoon. And a guy that's already got two walk-off hits this year. The little stoinker against the Dodgers and, of course, the three-run homer against these Cubs. I would have liked to see him swing the bat. I'm not saying that bunting is... You know, you should never bunt. There's absolutely a time and place for bunting. But for a guy that has two career sacrifice bunts, none since 2018, and a guy that has already got clutch hits this season, I would have let him swing away. 
But, hey, it's 20-20 hindsight. If he gets the bunt down, we'd be praising him. Like, man, what a great small ball play by Victor Caratini to set up Colton Wong, whatever would have happened in that ninth inning. So I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I mean, th- that I don't know how much Craig Council takes that into consideration as in, you know, he hasn't bunted in, in two years, and so I, I'm not going to have him bunt. I think the call is to have him bunt, allow put pressure on them, Colton Wong's been having tremendous at-bats, righty, lefty, whatever. So I think that Craig Council, knowing the matchup that was coming for Colton Wong, that was probably factoring into his decision. You just got to get the bunt down. Got to get it down. Uh, we got a caller on the Acunet Mortgage Talking text line. Dan from Whitefish Bay, you are on Brewers Extra Innings. Hi. Thanks for uh, taking my call, guys. So my question is, you know, uh, with Freddie Peralta – only 82 pitches, you know, I think they should have put him out there another inning, but I understand why they didn't. But why why put out a righty to face Hap? Did, did they not have a lefty available? Why go righty on lefty in, in that situation with your relief pitcher? I, I just don't and, get that. And you're talking about in the seventh inning, right, Dan, when Freddie first came out? Yeah, yeah. They pulled Freddie and they replaced him with uh, a righty to face the lefty half. Okay, so for two quick things on that. Thanks for the call, first of all, Dan. Uh, number one, with the three-batter minimum rule, if a lefty comes in, he is going to have to face those first two batters, which are both right-handers and Madrigal and Contreras. And two, even if you did bring in a righty for those first two guys, he would still have to face Ian Happ as the third guy. Uh, and for Hap, it was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, you tip your cap at that. I, I, I think if you were going to bring in a lefty, it would have been Rodgers. And the way you bring in a lefty, because there are so many righties surrounding Hap, it might have been a situational-type thing to get him over to bat right-handed, like a two-outs, Hobie Milner coming in to get the final out of an inning, or a Taylor Rodgers coming in to get the final out of an inning. I, I, I don't think that would have happened in the seventh inning. And he knew you were going to go to Devin Williams in the tenth inning for for Ian Happ. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I thought I think how Craig Council is deploying these bullpen arms is, is he's he's playing the matchups. We've seen Matt Bush close games out. We've seen Taylor Rogers close games out. We've seen Devin Williams close games out at this point. Brad Boxberger will probably get a couple of save opportunities, especially the way he's been throwing the ball after that little bit of a layoff Council gave him with the week off. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Matt Bush go, coming in there. He's been throwing the ball exceptionally well. What I do have a slight question about against Ian Happ is why he didn't throw any curveballs. He mm-hmm. threw all fastballs one cutter through otherwise it was all fastballs and Ian Happ can hit a fastball with the best of them um surprisingly that ball is only out in 20 ballparks he got it down just enough on the label he did sneak it out of here but only only a homer in 20 ballparks um it was only 97 off the bat so um took advantage of that short porch here at American Family Field but uh yeah I thought he should have tried to get him to chase a couple breaking balls down in the zone. Yeah, and earlier in that inning, of course, he had the error committed by Luis yep. Urias. Uh, I want to get you out of here on a positive note. Uh, we still got plenty more show. We'll be with folks listening until the top of the hour, until midnight. But I want to get you out of here on a positive note. They're obviously now embarking on 18 in 17 days. They're 0-1. And you can still win this series over these next two days. It Obviously, the Cubs have had the Brewers number this season. They've won the season series. But how important... And what can you gauge from the Brewers if they win this series and then follow that up with a series win over the Pirates? Will there be reason to believe that it's in there for them? 
Or do you think you still need to see more in this 18-game stretch? Just depends on how they, they win okay. these series. Just depends how they play, right? So, I mean, we... We've seen magic from this team in the past where all of a sudden, like, you just know they're going to win. I didn't feel that tonight. At all. You're right. (laughs) You know, so so I got to see that at some point. Show me some little inkling that, you know, you got that magic in you to come back. Even after that homer, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like they gotta, they gotta <laughs> score another one. It's been a hard task for them to do. So, um, if we see that these next five, then then I'll then I'll answer that question. We'll revisit that again in five days. All right, I'm <laughs> writing it down. I'm gonna keep keep it to it there, Vinny. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Uh, hanging out, answering the questions from the Brew Crew faithful. We're gonna hear from Craig Council in just a little bit. Uh, we're gonna get to a few more texts here. Mike, I know you're waiting. Bob, I know you're waiting. So I'm gonna get to you guys. If you want to participate, eight five five six one six. 1620 is the talk and text line. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Brewers fall 4-3 in 10 innings. One of the more frustrating. It's heartbreaking, obviously, but frustrating losses, and especially because it came against those cubbies. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to hear from you guys. A few folks have been waiting patiently. One of our most loyal texters, Mike from Colorado, if this game doesn't demonstrate a prime example of how flawed the Brewers' offensive strategy is, I don't know what else can. You're absolutely right there, Mike. We've talked about it. The runners in scoring position flaws, the A swing all the time. It's not always an A swing, but I look at the few ABs there. Willie got cold in the last few innings with a couple of strikeouts. There were some good sliders, a good cutter there in the 10th in the inning as well by Rodriguez, but the strategy is just not quite working out. Like it or not, this subpar season combined with last year's collapse – Council and Stern should be on the hot seat. Eh, I disagree with that. This isn't so much about them being on the hot seat, but more about his players absolutely underperforming right now, and they know that too. You have seen what this team can do when they're performing on all cylinders, and they're not even close to performing on all cylinders right now. And if you want to put somebody on the hot seat, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not even entertaining that thought personally. Uh, but philosophy, execution, things of that can change. I mean, two of the three runs again tonight were on home runs. It's more of the same. And again, what really stinks is despite all those walks the Brewers drawn, both the home runs hit were solo homers. Right? It's just, you draw seven walks, and not a single one of them was ahead of homer. It would feel a whole lot different in that scenario. But thanks for your thoughts there, Mike. Also, Bob joining in saying they're not a playoff team right now. They've been inconsistent most of the year. I don't think Josh Trader was paid... Josh Hader's trade was a major factor because they've been playing like this with or without Hader. Well, Bob, you're absolutely right. I agree with that. They have had stretches like we saw in early June, even with Hader on the roster and letting him wait in the bullpen, try to get to him. And, well, they never got a chance to because they had that big eight-game losing streak, which is really looming large right now with the tiebreaker, of course, with both the Phillies and the Padres of losing all, all but one of those games against the Phillies and Padres is the difference of feeling a lot better about the wild card standings right now, which, by the way, the Padres did win tonight. They uh, shellacked the Royals 13-5. to It got close for a little bit, so make it a two-and-a-half game deficit, essentially a three-and-a-half game deficit now for a playoff spot in Philadelphia. Also won tonight in the return of Bryce Harper. Uh, we want to get to Craig Council's thoughts here. We've talked about it a lot for those who haven't heard about his decision to pull Freddie Peralta, about other th- thoughts of this game. Let's hear from the manager, Craig Council. Um, it's really just talking to Freddie, reading Freddie. Um, obviously pitched beautifully, and um, but 
you know, thought he was kind of, he's at the end of the line there and um, going through the order again, decided that was enough. Did you see, did you see anything from him in the sixth inning that was sort of a, I'm say alarm bell, but that was. I just, like I said, talking to him and uh, just listening to him and, and reading body language. And, you know, our, our goal is to have Freddie make eight more really good starts. Um, and, um, you know, so we're, we're not going to push him at a time when it's, it's it's a little questionable whether he should be out there again. That said, you probably like how that lines up, though. You're getting through six with the Yeah, I mean, I think that plays into it a, a little. Well, no, it really didn't. But obviously we had a fresh bullpen today. Um, so we're, we're in really good shape. And, you know, they, they put a good swing. I got it behind an account and had put up a good swing on the ball. What did you think just about how he pitched and just the command of the fastball curveball? Yeah, the curveball was really good tonight. You got a bunch of strikeouts on that and kept kept them really off balance with the curveball. So curveball was fastball. Both fastball curveball were excellent tonight. Steele's been really stingy for them the last couple of outings. Just more of the same for him today against you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had a couple, you know, early in the game, second, well, first, second, third inning, runners in scoring position, uh, no outs, you know, um, second and third inning, and um, did a nice job putting pressure on them, and then, you know, there was not, innings kind of dried up. In that bottom of the ninth, how important is that, that just care team not getting that bunt down to kind of set up the rest of the inning in the matchup as well? Yeah, I mean, every out's important. You know, every out and every time we don't have a chance to, to you know, advance the runners or, or get a base hit, um, obviously important. Is it tough to kind of come out of here with the loss and you guys only give up two hits? No, that's the way the game works. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's the way it works. Then you hit home run, both hits are home runs, and you might be in trouble. So offensively, what do you make of a night like tonight where you're getting getting the guys on, but um, you know, just consistently? Not- yeah, I mean, it's a frustrating night for sure. Um you know, we'd we'd got runners on early, not not much kind of middle of the game. Um, did a nice job in the ninth and the in the tenth, um, but but didn't capitalize on really big opportunities. So really, you know, four innings where we had big opportunities to score and didn't do anything with those opportunities. Do you think the the layoff affected Devin tonight, just with command, or was it just? No, I mean, I th- I mean, I think he. No, I mean, I think he made a bad, made a, you know, left the change up up, essentially. Yeah, Devin Williams, that was a fair question from Sophia Minnert. He didn't pitch at all in the Dodgers series. His last action was Sunday, uh, or rather Saturday, against the Cubs, in which he threw 37 pitches, which was a season high for him. Uh, he had allowed the little bloop single by Nick Madrigal in that game. It was his first action since then, and the changeup didn't have the same bite on it for him. It was an odd day, and of course, the home run was hit on a hanging changeup by Ian Happ to give them the lead uh, in the 10th inning for the Cubs. Ian Happ, his 10th career multi-homer game, and I opened the show talking about, has that ever happened, where a team only has two hits, and both hits are homers, and both hits are homers by the same guy? The answer is on the other side of this break. Yeah, I'm going to make you wait. We got the Acunet Mortgage talking text line, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. To answer that little mini trivia from this game coming up on the other side, we're going to talk more about uh, the highlights coming up a little bit later as well. We're going to talk about actual 
guts of this game and what to think about the pitching and the rest of this uh, weekend coming up against the Cubs because, yes, you lose one game, you can still win the series in the moment. You've lost season series, but it's still a chance to try to take two out of three against the Cubs starting tomorrow. So more to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. We're with you until midnight, so about another 25 minutes or so here on Brewers Extra Innings. I'm Dominic Catronio. (sighs) Tough one. Yep. Frustrating, as Craig Council just said. We heard from him a moment ago. Brewers fall 4-3 in 10 innings to the Cubs. They have lost the season series now to Chicago, but we'll try to salvage the final two games starting tomorrow at 6-10 with Big Woo, Brandon Woodruff, on the mound against another lefty, Drew Smiley, getting the start tomorrow for the Cubs. And then Sunday, they'll wrap things up with Eric Lauer getting the ball. Uh, he'll be going up against Adrian Sampson, a right-hander for Chicago. Looking into the Accunate Mortgage Talk and text line, uh, 855-616-1620, and my tweets as well. We're going to get to a few of those. But I want to answer the trivia question. When was the last time a player, and a team rather for that matter, only had two hits for an entire game, both of those hits being home runs by the same player and won the game. That answer, it's happened twice previously in baseball history, according to my search on Baseball Reference. Most recently, in 1998, the Cleveland Guardians defeated the Royals 2-1, to and young Manny Ramirez hit two home runs in a 2-1 to win over Kansas City. Both of those homers, of course, being solo uh, with a 2-1 to victory. But how about this? The first time, by my search, that it happened in big league history was at the Polo Grounds in 1962, the New York Mets hosting the Milwaukee Braves. And you can take two seconds to guess who did it. Yep, Henry Aaron was the first one to do it, where a a player hits two homers in a game, it counts as his team's only two hits, and they win the game. So the only two times it's happened aside from tonight, 1962, Henry Aaron and the Milwaukee Braves. Hammer and Hank gets it done. And then also the uh, Cleveland Guardians, July 3rd, 1998, over the Royals with Manny Ramirez. So pretty good company for Ian Happ to join tonight. Uh, A couple of tweets to get to here. Uh, You can always tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. That's D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Hopefully it pops up after Dom underscore Cots. Anyway... Uh, one question comes from saying, what do you make of the decision to put Jace in during the 10th? It seems like a big spot for someone who hasn't had an MLB at bat in quite a bit. Very fair question. I'm glad somebody asked this. Looking back at that ninth inning, when the Brewers were trying to form the rally and make sure this game didn't go to extra innings, in the bottom of the ninth, you had first and second and nobody out. Caratini fails to get the bunt down. He ends up flying out. Then they decide to go with Colton Wong as a pinch hitter. David Ross counters by bringing in a lefty to face Colton Wong. But Wong is pinch hitting in the nine spot for Tyrone Taylor. So there's a couple moving parts here now. Number one, Tyrone Taylor's out of the game. So you know Jonathan Davis has to be saved to be a a defensive replacement if this game goes to 10 innings. And the winning run at the time was Keston Hero, who moves pretty well on second base. So you weren't going to pinch run for him. Number two, if you were going to keep Colton Wong in the game, that would mean you would have to move Keston Hira somewhere, which is another question I got about Twitter. Why didn't they keep Keston Hira in the game? Well, if you're going to keep Wong in the game, Hira is going to come out, and at this point, the entire bullpen for the Cubs is right-handed. 
So they would have loved to have kept Keston in there, but instead what they opted to do, which I thought was a little puzzling, but they went for the defensive route, which, again, makes it confusing because they put, when they arranged things for the 10th inning, of course, Jonathan Davis went in the center, but they did not keep Colton Wong in the game. They decided instead to move Luis Urias to second base and put Jace Peterson in at third for Hira, even though Wong wasn't staying in the game. So they improved, obviously, their defense at third base by putting Jace Peterson in, by moving Urias off the hot corner. But moving him to second base, when he just pinch hit Colton Wong, why didn't Colton Wong just go into second base? And here, obviously, sounds like they were ready to take him out of the game, so you put Colton Wong in at second base, you keep Jason at third, and then Urias is thus out of the game. I thought that was kind of puzzling personally, but for Jace to come in, it was more about his defense. And he's a guy, look, he's got a pedigree of on-base Jace, thought he was going to get a better a better at-bat than what he ended up being, a ground ball into the double play to end the game at the bottom of the 10th. Uh, for a guy that hasn't had much MLB action, that's a fair critique, but at the same time, it's why not try something new? You know, it's, it's at this point where it's the same kind of result and the same guys being asked to do the same thing over and over and over again. I thought it was a fair critique. Like, why Jace in such a big spot, but why not try somebody new? And that leads me to my next point here in this segment. I want to hear you participate about this. 2855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When do the minor league guys come up? When does Este Uri Ruiz come up? Is Sal Freelich going to get put on the 40-man? I've talked about this on Brewers Weekly yesterday, and that's available in podcast form as well in case you missed it. Sal Freelich is not on the 40-man roster. He does not need to be on the 40-man roster until the end of the 2024 season. Now, he's going to make things very interesting in the next spring training as a non-roster invitee, I would imagine, but he continues to hit in AAA. He's the exact type of profile that the Brewers need right now. Bat to ball, ball in play, speed. Not a lot of power, but somebody that can eventually be at the top of an order, a la a Christian Yelich, but with a little more opposite field, a little more drive right now for Sal Freelich and what he's doing to baseballs. And he doesn't strike out. He's got more walks and strikeouts in AAA. But I don't think Freelich's coming up this year. It would be Ruiz if they're going to call somebody up because he's already on the 40-man roster. And personally, for, for my take on this, I don't know what you're waiting for with Este Uri Ruiz. At least bring him up over Jonathan Davis. Um, Davis is barely playing. Obviously, he came into the game late. He's generally playing once a series to give Tyrone Taylor a day off. But here in the month of August, granted inconsistent playing time and only five starts, 10 games total, he's two for 14, zero extra base hits. Uh, He's got seven strikeouts and two walks. Why not give Este Uri a shot? He's already on the 40-man. His clock has already started with the Padres this year. They might be trying to keep him down to preserve his rookie status for next season to make sure that his service time clock does not uh, start too soon because you get incentives now with draft pick compensation if you have a rookie of the year or a a top two, a top three rookie of the year finalist. You also get incentives for them getting MVP votes. That's what we're seeing right now with Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman in the American League, so keep that in mind. Uh, Coming into the day, he has spent 14 games in the big league, so his clock has started. They may be waiting just for September 1st for Ruiz to come up. But I would hope to think 
Ruiz is going to be in the big leagues at some point this year. Let's get to the highlights up next. We're getting ready to wrap up the show. Top of the hour. Brewers Extra Innings rolls on on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. Yes, it was a 4-3 loss in extra innings, but there were highlights in this one. Freddie Peralta, six no-hit innings. Home runs on both sides. A lot to get to in this contest. It started off pretty quietly for both teams, but the Brewers, the theme would begin early. They would be leaving runners on base in the first three innings. They left five on in the first three innings, starting out going 0-8. for with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, Freddie Peralta was rolling. He was facing the minimum through his first four innings. Even through five innings, he had still faced the minimum with three strikeouts. He was begging, begging for a run. Finally, Tyrone Taylor stepping up to the plate, trying to get things going for the Brew Crew. The left-hander sets, delivers. Half swing, I think, is going to cost him. Yep, it's a strikeout. Another check swing strikeout. And back-to-back to end this threat here in the second. So he couldn't get it done in the second inning, but Tyrone would have a chance to redeem himself later on in the bottom of the fifth inning. Swinging, drive to left, deep, warning track. Get up, get out of here and gone for Tyrone Taylor. And the Brewers have the lead on base hit number four, given up by Justin Steele. Bob Euchre, of course, on the call. Now we fast forward, bottom or top of the sixth inning, a 1-2-3 frame for Freddie Peralta. He's through six, no-hit innings on 82 pitches, but he's pulled. Matt Bush comes in for the top of the seventh inning. First batter, Madrigal reaches on a fielding error by Luis Arias. Two batters later, on a 3-2 pitch and a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, Ian Happ was at the plate. 3-2 pitch. And a swing and a fly ball to right. Backing up Renfro. Still back. Warning track. Leaping. Gone. And the Chicago Cubs have a 2-1 to lead. The air comes back to bite the Brewers bad. First hit of the game for Chicago is a go-ahead two-run home run for Ian Happ. Jeff Levering on the call. So they flip the scoreboard. The Cubs are up 2-1 to now. Brewers looking for some kind of life in the eighth inning. They get nothing aside from a walk. Now, ninth inning, Rowdy Telez in at the plate, facing the lefty Brandon Hughes. Hughes stays in for one batter and one batter only to face Rowdy Telez. And here's how Rowdy repaid him. Been that way since the seventh. Swing the drive in the right feet. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Rowdy Telez! What a swing, what a moment for Bob Euchre to call. Tied up at two. The Brewers, of course, would get runners aboard. They would not score again in the ninth. Once again, in the tenth inning, Devin Williams on now. And Ian Happ at the plate. And the 1-0 pitch to Ian Happ, who has the only hit in the game for Chicago. Here's a fly ball to deep right. Back, Renfro. He's got both hits, and they both left the ballpark. A two-run home run from Ian Happ. Off of Devin Williams. Jeff on the call there. Now we go to the bottom of the 10th. Remember, 
With the bases loaded rules, the tying run is already at the plate. The Brewers can end it in the blink of an eye. First batter strikes out, that's Adamas. Then McCutcheon manages a bloop single into center, followed by a Hunter Renfro single into left. Brady Telez works a walk to load the bases. Jace Peterson's first at-bat of the game, coming with an opportunity for the Brewers to either tie it or win it against the Cubs. And it ended in very, very heartbreaking fashion. Stretch and pitch. Swing a ground ball. Hit to second. They're going to tag Telez. Throw to first. And the ball game is over. Nick Madrigal fielded that ground ball on the right side of the infield with Telez running. All he had to do was tag him and make a little flip to first base. And the Chicago Cubs turn a double play to end this ball game. Final 4-3 Chicago. They just find new ways to break your heart. It's been that kind of a week for the Brewers. We'll wrap things up on Brewers Extra Innings on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. All right, wrapping things up on Brewers Extra Innings. They fall 4-3 tonight in 10, but they did get a couple of homers, Tyrone Taylor and Rowdy Telez. Rowdy's a clutch one, too, and they ring the bell with those homers, and you can ring the bell. You don't have to wait till Christmas time to put money in the Salvation Army Red Kettle. Donate now at samilwaukee.org. All right, a 4-3 loss. All is a, a tough one tonight, but Brandon Woodruff going on the mound tomorrow, facing these Cubs once again. Our coverage will begin at 5.35 with the On Deck Show, and we'll also have Brewers Extra Innings again tomorrow with yours truly coming up after the game as well. You can always tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. I'll try to get all your questions in here on the show. The text line was very active tonight. A couple of calls in tonight, too. Much appreciated to everybody who's participated tonight. A tough one. And right now, it's tough. It's tough sledding. They're now under 500 in the second half. 15 and 16. And quite frankly, this team doesn't have the look of a playoff team. Doesn't have the look of a club that even if they do get into the playoffs, that you feel dangerous about. But that's yet 38 games to go. It's going to take something special. They're now two and a half games back, essentially three back of a postseason spot that's currently held by the San Diego Padres. No one said it was going to be easy. And to their credit, a four consecutive year playoff streak is an amazing accomplishment. But it is on the line right now. And... Not to get too lost in looking ahead, but most of this core is back next season. Adamas is set to be back. Renfro is set to be back. Caratini is set to be back. Telez, Burns, Woodruff, Williams, Peralta, Ashby, they're all set to be back. It's one of those things about the Brew Crew, as frustrating as this season is, and maybe you're mad about David Stearns and Matt Arnold in the trades. Maybe you're mad about the underperformance and things of that nature. But you have to admire they're still above 500. They are competitive. They haven't played great against these Cubs, obviously, this year. But this club, you know, should be playing better. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to say when it's not, oh, well, they weren't supposed to win this year. That bar has been raised by Brewers fans. Be proud of that. Own that. Right now, they're in a funk. 
It's fun to be a team that's winning. It's hard to be a team that's losing, especially to your rivals from down I-94. Let's keep the optimism going. We can be fairly critical, but let's try to be optimistic here in the final month or so of the season. Again, coverage begins tomorrow for Game 2 of this three-game series at 5.35. First pitch is scheduled for 6.10. I'm Dominic Catronio for Justin Bollinger back in our studios. Thank you so much for listening. Brewers fall in 10 innings by a final of 4-3. to Until next time, keep on swinging.